There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, Kelly Webster, Millwall Lionesses. Just like to thank Acton Millwall and all its listeners for all of your support. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. You're listening to Acton Millwall. Broadcasting from beautiful South Germany. Except no substitutes. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to a curtail day. I don't know how to describe it, Michael. It's it's Acton Lionesses with myself, Ryan Loftus, and Michael Avery He's joining me. I don't really know how to lead this one in, Michael. It's the end of something, but not the end, just the postponement. And it's it's left us in a little bit of a void, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because if if you're going to go by what the guidelines say, we it's definitely only going to be four weeks, and in four weeks' time, we'll have our we'll have our beloved uh, Millwall Lionesses back playing playing games. You know, we don't know what situation, but yeah, it's very strange because as as we as a lot of people are alluding to the light at the end of the tunnel at the moment, but it's uh, it's a bit of a turny tunnel. We don't know, don't know where this light is at the moment, so I completely agree. But uh, Yep, let's just have our fingers crossed and hope we're all right in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we can only hope we're back soon. It's uh, an odd time and it's a shame to have the, the one bit of live football really that, that we had taken away from us. And I think to give us the best insight for that, we are joined again by Mr. Harry Warren. Harry, thanks for coming on, mate. I thought you'd be the best placed person. You know, you, you are the voice of the Lionesses podcast, the unofficial voice, the fan who has found a new team in lockdown. And I think who better to... To know to reel the effects of this second lockdown, then yourself. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I didn't really know what to do with myself yesterday, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I ended up <laughs> I ended up doing a ten k. Um, yeah, you uh, you probably hit the nail on the head. It's um, it's weird. I don't. I think the women's games in quite uh, not just Millwall Lionesses. I think if it needed any more, um, you know, uh, evidence that it is the poor relations still from our Wonderful FA, um, even at the highest levels, the decisions to curtail the FA Women's FA Cup compared to allowing the Men's FA Cup to continue, um, it was another sour note I saw yesterday. So, you know, it's it's a strange time, and um, let's just hope we get through it as healthy as possible, and then we'll deal with the people that need to be dealt with after we're all through itself safely. Really, yeah. No, you're right there, mate, and. Um... What we'll do is we'll, we'll touch on that point in a minute. What you were saying about the uh, the differences in the game, because because even if you are an expert in the game or you're just someone who actually just doesn't have any knowledge of the women's game whatsoever, or even football, and then you see the news that one gender can continue, one can 
one has to stop. Um, you know, we've, we've all got opinions on that. But, you know, you, you actually touched there, Harry, about like not having anything to do yesterday. And for some, how, how did it feel? I mean, at the start of the season, you sort of went a little bit, you know, open-minded about the Lionesses and you wanted to see how it went. It was your first live women's football game against Villaricky pre-season. And now you've, as we've said many times, and in fact, you've started your own like excellent YouTube channel. You've really got the bug now. What? What did it? What did it feel not having um, a game that what a few months ago you didn't have much knowledge about off and and how did that? Well, what mood did it put you in? Um, I suppose you know. I think like everyone, I mean, um, football is my release. Um, it's my drug. Um, whether that be men or women, now I suppose I wouldn't turn around and say I'm totally converted. I think there's still. Um, I think the name Millwall draws me to the Lionesses um, and the girls, obviously, that play for us. Obviously, you know, your full allegiance, obviously, is to both Millwall sides. I've gained a side, but it's still Millwall. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a very weird situation to be in, that you, you discover this game, you discover the girls, and because it's such, you know, with no disrespect to the Lionesses, because we are you know, playing in front of intimate crowds, you know, two, three hundreds, which are still big crowds for the level we're playing at, and that's nothing to take away. But you, you by going home away, you learn, you know, we don't have a massive away following, maybe 20 or 30 people will go away. So you learn, you don't just learn the girls, you learn their parents, you learn a bit about their family, you see how their makeup is, you you know when they've had a good game or they're happy. And um that's kind of that kind of family element that the players talk about. You kind of get as being a supporter of a, a smaller club, which is weird because in the men's game, we were quite a small club. But it's uh, the smallest, you know, the biggest small club in the world, as we all say. Um, so, yeah, yesterday it was a bit, bit weird not to have a game. Obviously, we'd not had a game the last week, which was a double sort of kick in the nuts to, to <laughs> take it back to my old school at the wall line. But, um, yeah, it was a double hit because... We missed that last weekend um, just because of the way other league's structured. Obviously, we've got an odd number of teams um, in the league for anyone that's not aware. So it was just our turn to miss out. Um, so, yeah, it feels like we've already, even though it's a four-week lockdown, for us it's going to be you know, a five- or six-week lockdown. And um, I think it's not just me. It's easy for me to turn around and say that I'm missing it. But I'm supposing everyone involved, yourself, Michael, Ryan, you'll be missing it. No, not only are we missing you know, the men's side of the game, all right, we've got it on iFollow, um, but it's not the same. And I suppose the Lionesses are a bit of normality in a weird way, even though I wasn't going at the beginning of the year, it felt normal to go to football. And um, it's harsh that that's been taken away because I think that the the social distancing and whatever, I don't think we've had, to my knowledge, any cases go generally out from, from us. And um, I think, you know, whether we... Uh, agree or disagree with the lockdown it's you know the the release in life is what you live for you know you live for your freedom you live for your social aspect of your life and at the moment I think like a lot of people and I will say this on the pod um you know a lot of people will be struggling mentally because of this and I just hope that anyone that is you know struggling picks up the phone and calls someone uh, if they are struggling because I don't think there's any shame in it and I want to make that very clear because I think this has been mental torture for a lot of people since March um, and uh, to go in the second one when it's dark and it's winter 
is very difficult. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, definitely. It's a really nice sentiment to put out there as well. And it is, like you say, especially in winter, the last lockdown was summer and it was shining and hot. And, you know, it was a bit more laissez-faire in terms of going to parks and things like that. This one is a bit more turbulent. You know, people were talking about it being a hard winter and it definitely is matching up to that. One thing I wanted to, to get your opinion on, Harry, which, uh, you know, both yourself and Michael alluded to was this sort of gender gap that has kind of the, the second lockdown has risen up in football. Obviously, the timing of it, it highlighted it a bit more being FA Cup weekend, where obviously the women's FA Cup this year has now been um, curtailed and cancelled because obviously the early stages and a lot of teams are still in it. Obviously, the, the Lionesses played their preliminary round a few weeks ago and there was a lot of non-league you know, clubs in it. Obviously, there are more um, amateur or semi-professional teams in the women's game than there are in the men's game. But the men's FA Cup carried on this weekend um, with plenty of semi-professional teams. You know, the, the, North, the National League North and South side still in it. Um, you know, clubs even lower than that, they're, they're free to carry on. Obviously, the debate is about elite football and that terminology and to see that happen it shows that for all the progress that's being made in the women's game it's there's still that big gap and there's still that maybe turned up nose I mean what what do you think about it Harry? I mean the, the fact of the matter is is that this word elite now if less for argument say Millwall Linesses had got through their cup game against I can't remember when we got beat I can't remember their team name anyway. But anyway, when we got beat, imagine we'd won, we'd got through, and we had our game this weekend or whatever, or the weekend just gone. Now, if you're saying that it's about being elite or not elite, I understand that. I can understand that being the reason. But the reason you've put us into these measures in the first place is a scientific reason. Now, if you're saying that women are more likely to get the virus, I haven't seen anything to say that. If you offer the same testing, now if that's about cost, which I can only assume it's about cost, I'm pretty sure, not that it's right, but I'm pretty sure that most of the girls involved would have happily paid the money for the opportunity to play an FA Cup tie. And I'm not just talking about Millwall Lionesses, I'm talking about, you know, myself, if I was a, a semi-professional football player in the women's game, I'm sure you'd be the same Michael and I'm sure you'd be the same Ryan. If you had the opportunity to play a game of football, if you took a COVID test and it cost you 50 quid or whatever it costs to perform that test, you'd pay it because you'd want the opportunity to play in the biggest cup competition in the world, barring the World Cup. I do, I do uh, and, and you're, you're right, you're, you're spot on. And if it's, it's, a really, it's a really, really, really tricky one um, because if it is just like, you, like you're sort of half alluding to, um, Ryan, that it's um, you know basically um, semi-professional women's football won't have the capability um, or the the wrong words professionalism because obviously semi-pro, but the infrastructure um, of some semi-professional men's teams. So therefore, the FA Cup can't can't go ahead. Um, then yes, that is a reason. But if it is simply a case of we just think elite men should play football, that that's an that's an awful argument straight away. It's straight away saying that, yes, yes, we know you'd be an idiot not to see the divide in the men and women's game financially. You know, it's huge. But you take the finances aside, it's it's the same game. It's just played by 
two different genders. Now, with with the the infrastructures and and everything like that, I mean, you you two have been to the lionesses. I know um, a number of listeners have been to lionesses. I mean, um, some of the girls who play for lionesses listen to this, and so do some of the oppositions. But you you was at the Billa Ricky game, um, Harry. You was at the Chesson game. Um, you've been to the home games this season. I don't think many. T- I, I think that there's a too easy a kind of um, women's football and professional love. Would you? Did you feel COVID secure at those games that I've just listed there? I mean, I haven't missed a game um, in the league like at all, and I went to those two additional away um, pre-season games. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I would say. And this is coming from someone, you know, I'll take my local non-league side. So I'll go to the to, to the two that I know of. No, to the three that I've been to, right? So Barking Football Club, I've been to their uh, non-league ground. I've been to Dagner and Redbridge when they're a non-league side. I've been to their ground. And I've been to uh, Grey's Athletics ground. Now, all three of these teams would have presumably been... I know Dagenham definitely were in the cup. All three of these teams would have had similar if not exactly the same kind of facilities that I've been going to now I'm not saying that's the same for all and I might you know I I stand to be corrected but if you know for in terms of COVID protocol if you turn up in your kit and you leave in your kit and you don't use a changing room and you have two segregated toilets in facility there is no cross-contamination of, of, of players other than just what they would do on the pitch, which is the same for men and women. And to not be able to negotiate around that is simply ridiculous. You know, I, I, I generally believe, and it is a belief of mine, that it comes down to funding money and the, you know, the background infrastructure for the FA to turn around tests, because I'm presuming they've got an external company doing tests for them like most of the NHS has got the external companies doing it. Um, and there's a cost involved with that. Now, is that enough? Now, I'd think at this particular time with my commercial head on here and the amount of time that people are being stuck in their house against their will at this precise time, that it is the perfect opportunity to grow the women's game on terrestrial TV. You've got five channels and Freeview crying out for something to, fi- to fill schedules. Surely... <laughs> Surely you should have been doing everything to get the games on, not to cancel them. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a yeah. really key point, to be honest. And I think one thing that is interesting, obviously the whole debate of fans in the stadiums and not in the stadiums, is it's, a, it's one that's kind of wrangled on the whole way um, through, this, through this debate. And it's interesting that even the men's game, putting the women's game aside for a minute, the... The divide of having fans in the stadiums at, say, step six. I'm not sure where the divide is, but is it step six or tier six down? So in this first or in the last round of FA Cup games and this one, it depended on which side of the draw you were on that you were allowed fans in and things like that, which were a bit farcical, really. The the attitude that, oh, if you're below a certain level, um, COVID, COVID will be fine. It'll be fine to save distance. And... It's interesting that the one the, the clubs that were allowed fans in, obviously when the lockdown was lifted, were the smallest ones with the fewer number of fans in the biggest number of space. Now, for me, the Lionesses and you know a lot of teams in the women's game fit that criteria. But then immediately, as soon as 
lockdown comes back into place, they have to lose fans and also stop playing. They can't continue playing or have fans in. And it doesn't like, surely even if they played behind closed doors, which I'm sure many of them would be happy to do. And like you are saying, Harry, turning up in kit, changing in separate um, places, using separate toilets, you know, surely that is is fine. It's it's a it's a hard one to to reason in my head, but we'll leave that for now. We'll speak to Casey Whitmore coming on for the second part of the podcast, so we'll get a bit more of her views and and the views of some of her players. But Harry, I'd like to to touch on the the actual action on the pitch that hopefully we won't be missing for too long. Obviously, the last game the Lioness has played was a, a strong four one win against Stevenage Development. Uh, we're about halfway through the season now. How was that performance, that game for you? And, and you know, how have you found the Lionesses at this point in the season? Obviously, sitting top of the league. Um, what have you made of their performances? Um, so, I'll start with the Stevenage game. Um, I thought Stevenage were really poor. Um, and they were the first women's side that I've seen twice. Um, so, obviously, we won their opening game of the season, won 3-1. And then, obviously, to beat him 4-1 at home behind closed doors, obviously, was a great result. It was made to look a better result because they played last weekend, just before the lockdown, um, and they won. Did they win? What did they win in the end? 7 or 8 nil against Burgo away, who we obviously had drawn against. Um, so, I'm, I'm not too sure. I know they won by an absolute landslide. Um, so, I thought the performance, I thought it was good. I don't think it was a complete performance. I still don't think we've had one of those being ultra critical. And I think um, I think the girls know that themselves, if they're being totally honest with themselves, that, um, you know, I said uh, in the live piece I've done at the Stevenage game, it's the first time we got into half-time with a clean sheet. Um, and we can't do that. We, we can't do that against good sides. Um, but it was an improvement. You take the positives from it. We took our chances really well. I thought Shannon Drew had a fantastic game. Kira, uh, Kira Wills, which I will say right, Ryan, rather than you, Will. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I think they played really well in the new system, pushed on a little bit. So there's positives. The problem is, is we've had this massive positive result and then we're going to have a six-week break. And um, we didn't start particularly well at the start of the season. I think we'll be the first to admit that. Um, so, really, it will be make or break for the Lionesses' season when we come back of how they respond to having to go straight back into an even shorter short league season because they basically have to turn up and start winning. And that's very difficult. I mean, we've got, I think we've played all, you know, we've played Hutton at home. That's a big game. We've got Lee Ramblers, who I've been told all the way through is a difficult place to go. We've got, we've got hard away games to come. And, um, in what will now be a curtailed season. So if we, like, you know, uh, touch wood, everything that we are allowed to continue. So I think, you know, there's been some good points. There's been bad points. Um, it's very Millwall. Let's put it that way. It is very Millwall. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the girls will be the first to admit there's room for improvement. But hopefully, and I'll say this again, that the results... You know, the Bergholt draw and the Stevenage win are the turning point for the running because, you know, we still, you know, you beat Hutton, it's in our own hands. If we win every other game, we'll still win the league. You, you know what I mean? It's in our own hands. Um, but but we have to take, uh, we have to take our opportunities. We have to be disciplined and we have to, you know, go forward then pretty much 
play the way we can play, but play the way we can play every game. And um, that's a hard ask for any side, really. On um, on our day, Harry, um, some, talking to someone who's uh, you know come along as a fan, uh, brutally honest, um, how much potential do you think this team's got on our day? On our day, we're fantastic, but our day is twenty minutes out of ninety, and then we have a we have a you know we we've I've only seen us play well for you know Stephen Inch game is the first game. That I ever saw away from home. I thought we were we started slow. We grew into the game. We won the game three one. You can't moan. Then I've seen the worst of us when we'd got knocked out of the two cups. Um, two very different performances, but both still defeats. Um, the Burgholt change with the squad that we had available on that day due to suspension, illness, injury. You know everything else that was going on. The fact that we had to play Katie and we still got a draw. You know was a turning point, I think, for the girls mentally. Um, because yeah. the the way they reacted to the Stevenage um result, which I found strange at the time, and um, which obviously then listening back to Kira's sort of comments on the week after on the pod was quite interesting that they all just walked off, no one really celebrated, and then they celebrated in the group chat because I, I don't mind that. That 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 told me more of what they think they should be doing. They think they should be beating these sides. And that's great. That's great if you can back that confidence and that mentality up. But until the Burgholt game, I thought we were a little bit mentally fragile. Um, and we've turned to Kong now. And, you know, I can only say from someone that's watching from the outside that I don't necessarily know these players other than what I've seen this season, obviously, because I've never been before. But I see development within within the girls themselves. I think Danny's been fantastic in terms of coming on as a player from the start of the season. I think Kira's been really, really good. I think Shannon, when I've seen her, you know, against Stephen, she was absolutely unplayable. You know, Abby will nick you a goal is the typical number nine. Um, you know, the three young girls at the back, Lily Davis was good at the weekend, as was Charlotte Casey, as was, I'm going to forget her name and it's going to kill me. Um, Lois Smith, there we go, I got there in the end. I thought they were all fantastic. So yeah. there's been positives in every game, but there's also been negatives until the Stevenage game, where I can't really say there was a negative. They had, they were, you know, they were 3 0 up and they conceded a goal. And the rest of the season, we've conceded in bunches. We concede one and then we go and concede two or three. You know, Stevenage, we didn't do that. So that's a plus point, you know, even though we conceded a goal we didn't capitulate mentally and we didn't let the second go in and then it's suddenly 3-2 and you've got a game on. They, they, you know, weathered the storm for five minutes and they've done really well. So what I'm trying to say is I was really looking forward to the next game. So I wanted to see if we'd turn the corner, but obviously, um, obviously that's been curtailed. But I think all in all, look, at the end of the day, I think there is... Girls in that squad that are fantastic. They are fantastic football players. They're fantastic people. Um, you know, you can see how much it means to them. There's, at the end of the day, Millwall, if there's, a, if there's a, a synergy between the crowd, the people involved and the players, that's whenever, that's when Millwall as a side, whether it be men or women, um, you know, do things that, you know... Uh, and I think that they've got a little bit about them. They were really happy with the draw against Burgo. You can see, you know, that um, it, they got they got claps off the pitch. You know, if they, if, you know, we all know what it's like. If you run, put 100% effort in for Millwall, we'll give you the world. And, you know, I think they've, they've, there's girls that 
started to understand that now and that can only be good going forward kind of thing. Yeah, I think to give a bit of context to listeners, a good kind of, you know, marker point of this lockdown where, where it's been postponed, Millwall are top of the table at the moment. They've played four games because of the structure of the league. Like you mentioned, Harry, there's one team dropping out, so there's only seven teams. You know, there are games in hand for some teams because of the cup competitions and playing um, conditions. I think because of coronavirus as well, some of the fixtures have been shifted about. So, Millwall have played more games than most, but not the most in the league. But they're, they're at the top of the league with seven points from four games at the moment. Hutton are on seven as well, but behind on goal difference with, with a game in hand. Like you said, there's a number of big away games. I think Lee Ramblers, they still need to be played home and away. That yeah. They've got to go to away, away to Hutton, which is a big game. I think getting two wins over Stevenage is a valuable six points. And like you say, I think we've seen really good flashes from the team. But I definitely agree with you that we haven't seen that complete performance. And I think it was really interesting what Kira said on the last podcast about, yeah, that, that it was more relief and it was more a bit of, not pressure off, but a bit of, you know, finally that result against Stevenage. And I thought it was interesting, like you've said, that they didn't necessarily enjoy it in that exact moment, but were managed to manage to reflect and then really enjoy that. And I think that, that says a lot about the mentality of the squad. It says a lot about the work that Katie does, instilling that um, complacency and that consistency that they need. But it was it is a shame that it's been curtailed now when, or not curtailed, but postponed now, when you imagine they, they were in a good place to go and kick on. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, and um, I have to say as well, I think, I mean, we was in this division last year and we, you know, we did well, but... I said, I said at the very, very start of the season that this in this division, even though Mill did well last year and Hutton were doing very well last year as well, but this this division is so open now compared to last year. I mean, very, very start of the season, I said that Stevenage would have been one of the teams who would have been up at the top of the table with Millwall, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I don't regret saying that because. They are they are a very good they are a very good team and and I, I said it to you a while ago that I think they're in a bit of a false position you know they were bottom of the table um, after a run of games and then they beat um, as you touched on there Harry that they, they beat a team who only just lost to Hutton and drew with Mill Lionesses at Millwall Lionesses in front of a Mill crowd one all they absolutely spanked them away we we a team like East Burkholt. It was a team you would think Millwall would beat. We only got the one-all draw. Um, they got us on a smash and grab, had a good performance. Um, the Hutton game, I mean, yes, there was a controversial decision um, when we was up, but, you know, that, that game proved it could have gone either way. So I think, and I'm not just saying this as someone who who's on the inside with the Lionesses in official capacity, and this isn't my way of trying to plug the, plug the side. The girls are doing well enough um, as they are with that, but the league is so open. And even though we're top of the league at the moment and Hutton are um, behind us with a, with a game or two in hand, like you say, Harry, if we win that game, we go three ahead. Hutton win that game, they leapfrog over us and then we're in a dogfight for second place and looking up. It's, it, and, it's, and it's the old cliche with losing becomes a habit. I think that was what the release, relief was, was that even though the Eastberg Alt result was a draw um, and we were the better side, you know, Katie had a shot that just went over the bar um, I believe it was Abby or Kira, wasn't it? Had one cleared off the goal line. Uh, mm-hmm. Kelly had a shot that just uh, went over the crossbar, clipped the bar. Um, 
you know, you, you do see these sort of not freak results, but but you you wouldn't bet on these games. Let's just say that if you was a betting man, you wouldn't think I'll put a pound on sort of Millwall to win today because it was like you said a couple of weeks as well, Harry. That we're a name in this division. You know, all all of a sudden, I've saw it all last season, and I've seen it this season as well. You see teams who may not do things at other games, but when they play us, they are a completely different side than the one that they've been the few weeks before. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would agree. But I think it would be remiss of me not to mention that we have had, you know, key players missing um, for, for games this season. Um, and I think that has showed in vital moments. I think, you know, we, we you know, I don't want to... I don't want to hark back to the to the Abbey one in the Hutton game, but you know that's a massive turning point in the season, possibly. Um, and you know, uh, if you haven't seen it, please go and find it because if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, I don't know why you haven't. I think there's a few teams in this division that feel like it's their job to just give Millwall a bit of a bit of a hard time. A few teams that solely set out to, you know, when they turn up at Millwall, they think that they can. You know, try. We've got a very young side. It'd be again silly of me not to mention that. Um, and you've got people that turn up and do things. You know, do all the dark arts. And slowly, our girls have learned in the first four games, six games with the cup, that you know you just got to be a bit cleverer and a bit cuter. And I think they have done that. Um, you know, and it's nice to see that they're learning that side of the game because it is a key side of the game at any level. And, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's a shame because we're doing this like it's like a mid-season review, like we're having a Christmas break, like in Germany or something. Um, yeah. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But it, it, it feels like you're about to go on sort of like, I don't know, like, you know how people say, don't look at the championship until Christmas, and then you sort of look where everyone is and then go, what the running's going to be like. That's what this is going to be like for, if we come back, hopefully, on the 2nd of December. I don't know when that puts our next game, possibly, I'd assume that weekend afterwards, um, if all being well. But um, we'd have to just go into the next game, whoever that will be, because I don't know if the fixtures will say the same that they are, and just hit the ground running. I hope the girls are doing their 5 and 10Ks behind the scenes here. Um, if you can't beat my time, there's no way you should be getting in the squad. I'd put that out there. Um, but, but there we go. Uh, I, th- I think they will. I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be difficult for everyone. And I think that the roll on roll off subs are going to be vital. Um, don't tell Pep and uh, Klopp, though, because I think they'll want that in the Premier League about squad rotation. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Harry, thanks for thanks for coming on. We're gonna we're gonna catch up with Lioness's boss, Katie Whitmore, after this. But um, stay safe, Harry, and hopefully we'll get another Roman report from you as soon as possible. Yeah, no worries. I'm sure it'll. Uh, I'm sure it won't be long until we get thrown out of an away ground. Um, <laughs> but but with, the first, with, the, uh, with the blue flare flying. Yeah, I don't know. Should we, should, I mean, if we win the league, I'll do a blue flare in the away end. But um, yeah, we'll probably win. No, Millwall, we'll probably win it on um, some kind of technical. Uh, sort of technical league infringement on a Tuesday night and none of us can celebrate it. So that's the way the year's going, isn't it? So we'll, we'll have that stolen from us as well. But yeah, uh, everyone keep safe and keep supporting the the pod and keep supporting the channel and, and the girls. I know they appreciate it as someone from the outside looking in. And again, you know, once we can see each other again, come say hello. We're quite friendly people and um, we enjoy having a chat. Fantastic. Thank you, Harry. And we'll be back after this. Achtung!
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ilbal. And welcome back to Actung Lionesses. We are joined for this second half by Lionesses manager Katie Whitmore. Fresh off the Zoom call, she has stayed up late, especially for us. Katie, hard times, but I hope you're well. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Lovely. Well, first of all, we'll jump straight in kind of with your reaction to the postponement of the season with the, the second lockdown, obviously off the back of a, a good win against Stevenage. How have you found it as a manager? Obviously quite a difficult thing to to manage around, I guess, in your first season and how have the squad taken it? Yeah, you know, it's not been the, the greatest um, first season as manager for the Lionesses, really in the sense of obviously coming on board on the back end of the last lockdown and then obviously now having the second lockdown um, being announced. I think, you know, we all knew it was coming. Um, it was just a, a matter of time, really. Um, the girls have taken it pretty well. Um, you know, we've we've made sure that we've got things in place. They're keeping on top of their fitness. Um, you know, we're trying to stay in contact with each other. Um, the fact that we had the win at the weekend, I think that to us was a good a good point to maybe have a break. You know, we're able to now reflect um, and discuss the season moving forward. So, you know, yes, OK, it's a little bit tough in the sense of all of a sudden it, it having to stop, especially when it is quite a tight season with the results that we've had so far. But it just gives us time, like I said, to reflect, have a little bit of a break, um, have the conversations that need to need to be had and um, make a return, obviously, when football comes back. And on that reflection sort of... Um, you know, on that reflection thought, what are your your main takeaways from, you know, the first part of the season? Really tight at the top, but you are sitting at the top of that table. Um, what, how have you found it? From previous conversations, obviously, that I've had with you guys at the end of the game and uh, during the podcast, I think I make it very clear that, yes, OK, we are sitting at the top of the table, but us as a squad can do a lot better than what we have. Um, we The girls know that we can play a lot better than what we have. Uh, especially in the cup run, we haven't really, we've we've not performed to our our best, um, and this gives us a 
gives us time uh, within the coaching department to you know reflect back on on some of them games and and where did we go wrong and what, what what's going to be our main focus when we get the girls back into training um how can we make sure that we come back into games on a on a sunday and the girls know and understand they've got to give a full 90 which for the first part of the season we haven't really seen we we've played some good football um you know, I won't take that away from the squad, especially being new in post um, and changing things, changing positions, changing formations. The girls have adapted very well to it. And, you know, we've got that great rapport as a, as a squad and that team, that team bond is there massively. So, you know, those things, are, I can't really ask for much more in that, in that aspect of it. However... Like I say every week, there are always things that we need to work on and the girls definitely know that, you know, they haven't played to their best. And um, But when we come back from this break, they definitely will. And I think that game against Stevenage showed it even more because they did play superb football in that game. We were we played a new formation and it worked. And, you know, I think it just shows that the girls are quite capable of doing it. They just need to believe in themselves a little bit more. You you were saying there, Katie, about about the league and um, like not playing to the level that we think we can do. Um, Harry touched on it in the first part of the show when he said that potentially um, we've got a very very good side. He, he listed a number of players who were who caught his attention on the field. Um, I've, I know we've sort of mentioned it before, um, but we've always sort of spoke about it a day or two after a result. So you know you've got either high or low emotions depending. But now that it's sort of a, we've had a weekend off. It's a bit calmer, you know. We've got a few weeks where we uh, we can prepare, but again, we've not got the high emotions that we would have um, with games every week. Well, what do you think about the the level of the league? Because because I said before um, with Harry, you know, teams like Stevenage, I, I said they was um, I always believed they was in a false position at the bottom of the table. They got a great result. Eastburg, a new team that you know, no one had heard of and they managed to get a one-all draw at Millwall. You're seeing some crazy results in this league and I don't think it's got anything to do with lockdown like it has in the men's game where, you know, you've you've not got that home home team advantage anymore because we, we play in front of fans. But what do you think about this league? It, it really is. You, I said it, you, you can't bet on it, can you? You can't go into a game 100% thinking we're, we're going to get a result here because you every game's a banana skin. Yeah. It's, well, it's like I've said in every interview, isn't it, that... One thing for me is complacency. You can't walk into a game and go, oh, because we beat them last season or because we beat them two weeks ago, that's it. We can walk into this game and we can beat them again. You look at the game against Stevenage, the first game of the season, we won 3-1. It still was quite a close game, though. You know, yeah. and then the game when we've played them recently, obviously the scoreline is slightly different. Would I say that it was as close as the first game of the season? Not necessarily. Um, so, you know, it is very much uh, definitely a league that you have to go in with a completely clear mindset, focusing just on what your squad are planning on doing uh, um, and what you want out of that. And for me, I think, you know, I've, I've definitely seen it within the league that I, I don't sit there and think as a manager, I'm really, really nervous about playing this opposition or or anything like that. I've got so much faith and belief in in every single player within my squad. There's a reason that they're in my squad, you know. There's a reason that Nick recruited them. There's a reason that you know they're they're part of the the starting 
starting lineup. And for me, I think it just highlights even more that unfortunately things have games haven't gone in, in gone our way, and there have been reasons that we haven't got the results that we wanted to. But it's not necessarily because of our um, capability. You know, again, like I've said in previous interviews, a lot of it is the psychological element of the game. We are a very young squad. That's one thing that we do need to remember. We are a very young squad within that league. And sometimes that isn't always an advantage. And I think in some games that has highlighted it for us. So, you know, one of the aspects of training moving forward is going to be what can we do within that psychological corner of making sure that these girls can go into a game not feeling intimidated, not losing their focus and making sure they play the football that we all know they're more than capable of doing. Yeah. Well, one thing, we want to kind of go a bit more broad. Um, we spoke to Harry um, on the other half of the pod about the, the FA Cup and the kind of rough deal. The women's game has been dealt by the cancellation of the women's FA Cup. Obviously, you know, as prestigious as it is in the men's game, it's really prestigious in the women's game as well. And it's been quite a blow to see it be cancelled while the men's can still continue. One thing I wanted to get to get your opinion on, Katie, was the, the cancellation of the academies, I think, is a, one that's kind of gone under the radar, but it's obviously along the same the same kind of guys as as the FA Cup stuff. So for, for those who don't know, the obviously men's academies um, are, are being allowed to continue at you know the high highish level clubs, not just the top Premier League sides, but quite quite way down the divisions really that I keep playing. But they've been cancelled on the women's side as they're deemed not elite. Um, obviously, no academy football is deemed elite by by any stretch of the imagination, but it does just smack of one rule for one and one rule for another. I mean, I, I don't know how you think. Obviously, Millwall's got the RTC set up and it's got, you know, a good history of bringing through good young women players into into the women's game. Obviously, plenty in your squad at the moment. And I wonder how that how you've seen that, both from a Millwall perspective and then just from a, a wider women's football perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's quite difficult for me because obviously I work for Millwall Academy, Boys Academy, um, as a safeguarding officer. So I'm very involved within that element of of the game. Um, you know, from a from a female perspective, yeah, it is frustrating. It, it, you, you've got to remember that when I talk about when I was growing up, yeah, there was a stigma about girls and women playing football. And, you know, we're trying, the, the FA and the, the county FAs are doing so much to um, make make every football for all, basically, you know, giving everyone that opportunity. And it is a difficult decision. No one really knows how to fully handle this, this COVID-19 situation. And yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's annoying, you know. And with another hat on, I also managed the under-16s, girls, uh, team as well as the lionesses so you know I've got many roles within Millwall where COVID-19 affects affects me in many ways um, but then you know I think none of the none of the guidelines are obviously completely clear are they so I think yeah. it is it is a tough decision it's frustrating for for obviously the lionesses like I said because they had a great win at the weekend and now it's all been stopped but yet the boys do continue so yeah from a female perspective it's hard and you have got players sitting there asking why is it different for them 
but there's a reason that they've done it um and i think we need to just obviously we've got no control over it and i think i'm the type of person i've got no control over it so i need to now focus on the situation that i've got in front of me which is that my squad are now having to have four weeks off okay it's not great but what can we put in place to to keep them going i mean what what just just to touch on what ryan was saying there as well what we've just been saying i mean casey stoney um the Manchester United manager. She's been very uh, vocal um, recently. There was a really good article on the BBC Sport website where she came out. Now, I know, um, and she came out and said what her thoughts on it. Now, I know there's obviously the argument with uh, Man United women's uh, teams historically, but just just to pick out some of the things she says here, it's, uh, I class our regional talent club and academy as elite because they're at Manchester United. They're training to become professional players, just like the boys are, but unfortunately it's not seen that way in terms of governance. That's one of the things that's got to change. It's really disappointing, but it's the classification of the academies. Now, she's when, when you are at that WSL, sorry, WSL level, uh, women's championship level, you you are she she's right, isn't she, with, with those academies? And even and even if you get down to the grassroots level, I know obviously the money in the game, um, is astronomically different. Um, Lewis has had recent campaigns to, uh, in the Women's Championship to have equality in the FA Cup, or at least a bit more um, money for teams who progress through the Women's FA Cup rounds compared to the men's. Um, but one of the things I was saying, Katie, it, it, what it could be, I, I, I don't know why the government have gone down this route with allowing certain clubs at certain levels, but um, surely um, you know they should look at whether you can put games on in the COVID secure way. And again, this isn't a, a backslapping way for us as a club, but you you was involved rigorously in the risk assessments that were needed. You know, we we ensure every single game um, that is played, we send a risk assessment to the opposition. We ensure that they follow the COVID guidelines. Um, yes, we're not allowed to play these games, but are you proud of what we achieved as a football club to actually get games on? at St Paul's and you know just to touch on what Casey Stoney said there what what are your thoughts on her comments yeah I mean I definitely am proud of obviously what we were able to achieve in that short period of time we were able to to allow fans in that in the door I think what we need to remember is from both sides Jessica it's frustrated that for four weeks we've now or potentially for four weeks we've got to stop but you know from the other side of things within the club You've got us that are allowed to have spectators at St Paul's, yet, you know, within the men's game where there is, you know, the money and the bigger stadiums, they weren't able to have spectators. So you, it can work both both ways, really, in that sense. Um, but, you know, look, what Casey said, I, I do get it. You know, Casey's been in the game for a long time and she has got so much knowledge and her experiences that she's been through you know uh, a fantastic and I think she is she is someone that you you should listen to uh, she's definitely someone I look up to as a manager and listen to what she has to say and I think you know she is right in what she's saying but I think we also need to remember that as much as we talk about how big the women's games got since the France World Cup yeah it, it, it's grown massively the participation has gone higher uh, both within coaching, within playing, the opportunities are much greater for girls and women. However, we are nowhere near where the men's game is. We're, we're not. 
you know, when it comes to media coverage, coverage, when it comes to how many uh, fans you get in a stadium, you know, when we're still not reaching the same level as men or boys. So, yes, we're, we're on this journey to make sure that we are getting to that point, but we, we are a long way off yet. So situations like this are still going to occur, whether it's wrong or right. They are still going to occur because we have so much. We've got so so we've still got so far to go. And, you know, as much as it is frustrating for me, it's frustrating for me as a player. It's frustrating for me as a manager and, and someone that just loves the women's game and is involved in the women's game. I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not saying it's right. I am. I will say that I'm frustrated by it. However, I've also been part of being a women and girls development officer for a county FA. And I know how much hard work the FA and the county FA put into making sure that opportunities are given for all. And like I said before, there's obviously a reason behind it. But for me, um, like I said, I, I think we are on the right path. Yes, it's frustrating, but we have to remember that we were never on the same level as the men and the boys when, when, this, when, when this happened. You know, there is still a long way to go before the women's game and girls game is on par with the boys and the men. And that's kind of, you know, the situation we're in. As long as you've got those role models like Casey, like Emma Haynes at Chelsea, you know, like Steph Houghton, as long as you've still got those role models within the game for that younger generation, you know, yes, it's a, it's a little bit of a kick in the teeth, but we'll get back and we'll promote it just as big as it was before COVID-19 happened. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it is a... Uh frustrating it's almost that extra frustration because this year was you know set to be one of the biggest breakthrough years for for women's football in the UK obviously you've got the we're supposed to have the the Euros coming up and you know a lot of big star name players coming to the WSL to play so I think it is an accumulation of frustration that the, the women's game like a lot of things has been been hampered by by this lockdown but we moved to bring it back to a more mill perspective, Katie. We were talking just before we came on about some of the initiatives you're running to to kind of keep that squad morale up, and obviously not just within your squad, but through the whole club, really, with the younger players as well. And sound like some really positive ideas. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about those. Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the key things for me is making sure that I know this lockdown is slightly different in the sense of more people are are working or are able you know like the under 16s like i said that i manage they're still going to school at the moment um in comparison to the last lockdown um so it is slightly different however i did want to make sure that that contact is is with that squad um during the four week period so for the under 16s um so this evening we did a zoom call um where they did a q a with two of the lionesses uh, millie and lois who are 16 and 17 who came through the Millwall rtc as well and are now obviously playing first team football so it was a good opportunity for the 16s because obviously that's hopefully the path that they're wanting to to take so it gave them a good opportunity to discuss you know how did football uh, impact education or uh, how often do you train? What what's it like? Uh, how do you deal with pressure? Is it a big jump from going to under 16s to first team football? And you know, it was a real good even for me as a manager to sit on that call and see how the girls were answering those questions. And um, because obviously I'm still getting to know the players a little bit as well. Um, 
So that was quite good. And then uh, straight after that, um, I was on a Zoom call with the Lionesses, with the first team, and we did a quiz. So we just had a quiz night, which everyone attended, um, which was a good laugh, to be honest. We, did, we didn't talk no football. There was no football chat. It was just a quiz night, all laughing, joking. Um, we did a, a round of, it was just music, sport, general knowledge and history, although history, you might as well have wiped that round out. <laughs> and then we had, uh, how well do you know your teammate? So again, obviously, like I said, we've got a young squad and it's the first season that they've all obviously been together as a squad. So it's they're all still getting to know each other off the pitch as well as on the pitch. So moments like that this evening just kind of showed when everyone's laughing, everyone's joking around, just that togetherness that they've got as a squad and how it is so important that when everything is good in camp, you you can see it on the pitch. And yes, okay, I know they're not going to be on the pitch for a little while, but if we keep building that momentum, um, when we do, when we are able to come back, then, you know, we'll be able to put on that performance, like I've said many times, of how I know that my squad can play. Brilliant. That sounds like some really positive initiatives, to be honest. And uh, it's good to hear, you know, the, the sort of message you've put out really since your appointment about the, the girls in your squad being role models and the togetherness that you want to bring. It's really good to hear that that shining through, even in, you know, a tougher period where, the, where they're not together, you know, on that, that weekly basis throughout the week, seeing each other. Um, well, Katie, thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting with us. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon when football is once again on the horizon. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed it won't be too long and we'll all be back. Yeah, hopefully it won't be too long and the, the Lionesses can tighten their grip on that top spot. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us as ever. No problem at all, mate. Thank you. Thank you uh, for, for hosting. And uh, yeah, thanks. let's just hope uh, this one isn't, isn't as long as the last one and we get to see everyone again soon. Let's be optimistic. Yeah, definitely. So take care, listeners. We will be back when football is back on the agenda. When there looks like there's some games on the horizon, we will be back with Acton Lionesses. And hopefully we will be back to watch the Lionesses surge towards that title. But for now, stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully this lockdown won't be lasting too long. Bye for now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.